welcome to the Views from the Sidelines podcast. My name is Austin Bagshaw. I'm an online calisthenics and nutrition coach, and my goal with this podcast is to keep your focus on continuous growth and education. I believe what you see and what you hear every day is the foundation of your reality. And with that being said, let's get to the show. Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Views from the Sidelines podcast. Today, I am actually going to be doing something a little bit different. I am going to be reviewing a recent study on nutrient timing. Um, the, the entire study isn't actually on nutrient timing. It's actually, so the name of the study, I'm going to link it down low in the show notes for anybody to access it. I, if you're into strength training, if you're into optimizing your, your overall health and nutrition, I would highly recommend taking this at just a look because it's really not that hard to read. You can dive through it and probably take you 15 minutes, maybe, maybe 20 if you're a slow reader like me. But the name of the study is called achieving an optimal fat loss phase in resistance trained athletes. So what well, I wanted to talk about a certain piece of this study and cause I feel like this is thrown out and people care about this a lot more than what they actually should. And it is nutrient timing. So, Nutrient timing, just for anybody who doesn't know what that is, is nutritional timing encompasses the intentional intake of all kinds of nutrients at various times throughout the day that have a positive impact on the acute and chronic response to exercise. So a lot of this um, in the in, in the gym realm is get your protein shake in after the uh, to stimulate MPS, which is muscle protein synthesis. A lot of this is about um, inner inner carbohydrates during the workouts. It's uh, pre pre workout. It's it's doing things to optimize performance and then making sure that you're recovering by doing the right things after the gym or after your strength training session. Um, and which can obviously everybody should know this, but if you don't, you should only train as much as you can recover. Um, recovery is everything. It's like you actually, you actually, most of, oh, I think it's in the 70 to 80% range of your uh, muscle that that is rebuilt is in your sleep, and so it, first off, sleep isn't really talked about in the study, but sleep is a massive part of if you're wanting to lose fat or if you're wanting to gain muscle. Like it is, it is so important to understand to get your sleep cycle down, get your circadian rhythm in tune, and recover because that's where your recovery is. If you don't sleep, you can't recover. Anyway, we're gonna di- I'm gonna dive into what carbohydrates. <laughs> What what this study talked about it was mostly in, for nutrient timing purposes was carbohydrates and protein. Fats aren't really talked about in the nutrient timing because fats are just more of a balanced thing, um, and it, there's not a, a lot of positives to um, adding fats and adding fats before or after a workout. Um, fats are going to help with hormonal balancing. It's going to help with a lot of stuff that you don't really think about. It's going to help with your adrenals. It's going to help with sleep, it's going to help with recovery. But when it comes to this nutrient timing purposes, it's always talking about typically carbohydrates and so carbohydrates, stimulants, and protein. So stimulants would be the caffeine, um, as well as any other type of (laughs) stimulant that you might use. So first thing we're going to talk about, and this is, this is a new thing for me, guys. I've never actually like went through a study and did a podcast over it. Like I've been through studies before. I, I read them very occasionally, but I've never actually got, gone through this. So I have my own notes and I'm, so everything that I talk about can be found in the 
study that is linked in the show notes below. So after this podcast, you can dive into it and then click on it and make that your uh, daily reading for the day. So first thing I'm going to talk about is pre-workout. So my overall theories on this and through all the studies, through all my research, through all my education is when it comes to pre-workout, there's some things that are very helpful. One, 30, say, say you only have 30 minutes into your training session and you have an eight. What do you do? So in the 30 minute to an hour range before you're about to go to the gym, before you're about to train, what is something you could do to help with performance, to help with focused energy and getting the amount of volume that you wanted for that day? Keep it simple. Okay. If you don't have much time, try to get most of your calories from carbs. This is going to be easily digestible and it makes it okay with your body releasing stored glycogen. Stored glycogen helps, is stored in your muscles, and glycogen is turned into ATP, and it can be stored in in your muscles, and when you need, and you're exercising, and you're using your muscles, it can be released to help with the energy intake that you, or the energy that you need for that given set, rep, whatever you're doing. So if you don't have a lot of time, something that I do, I like to do, for instance, is a thing of oats. Oats and a little bit of PB Fit just for, um, the sake of taste, <laughs> but oats are awesome. Kodiak cakes are great. Um, literally just throw it in a bowl. Um, I, so what, I, what I do with this is I get like the Kodiak cakes, like, uh, either the maple oatmeal or the blueberry flavor. And it comes in like a pack of six. And what I do is I have the protein oats as well. So what this is going to do is, it, I mean, if, if, if we're looking at cost purposes, it, it's not a lot whenever you just get a little packet of oatmeal. And if you use two every morning, you're going to go through that bag, box in three days. <laughs> you only get six. So what I do is I buy a big thing of oats and I use one of the packs and then put a little bit more of the oats from the big pack of oats that, are, that aren't flavored and then mix it all together. So that actually allows me to get more carbohydrates. It's cost efficient and something that I like to do that's very easy, easily repeatable or repeatable. <laughs> for for anybody who likes oats um anyway 30 to 30 minutes to an hour before training is always going to be focusing on simple carbohydrates if you have bananas bananas are awesome bananas are going to help with that as well they're very simple so when it comes to if you have zero to 30 minutes i would focus more on simple but if you do have a little bit more time to 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 digest things the oatmeal complex carbohydrates making sure i mean i personally recommend gluten-free just because from the studies that I've read and for personal opinion, I think uh, gluten can be decreased in our diet, um, especially before the gym. So it can make us feel lethargic and can slow down the digestion, all that not good stuff. So we, we need to be present in the gym. And in order to do that, we need to have something that's very easily digestible so we can utilize that, that energy for the session. So if you have no time at all, getting literally a banana beforehand. Like if you were going from work to the gym, it's like having like a, a little fruit, uh, a banana is very easily digested. Um, that would be awesome. If you have a little bit more time, I like the oatmeal aspect, um, or, or something on the line of oats. Um, and that's just my personal opinion on that. And it, and it works great for me. So if you have one to two hours before your workout, this is where you can add a little bit more protein. So a very, a very, something that not a lot of people think about is eggs are very balanced. If you do an, a whole egg, not just egg whites, egg whites are pretty much all protein. So if you just do two eggs 
like in, in, in egg itself has protein, fat and carbs in it. Not a lot of carbs, but some, um, but that is a little bit more balanced and something you could do is an easy gluten-free toast with, with some eggs, like one, one or two eggs. If you're, you're looking at anywhere from 300 to 500 calories, depending on if you use butter, um, or if you add anything to the toast, but in that three, two to 400 calorie range is pretty solid for one to two hours before. Um, this could, you could also, if you're on the go, an easy thing to do would be to have like a, uh, overall, what's the kind bars, uh, something like a, like a granola bar. Granola bars are actually decently high in fat, so it's not optimal, but it's better than not having anything. Um, so that's just something to think about. If you've had a lot of carbs for that day, say you had a really car, like high, high carb lunch and then you're training right after work. So maybe you ate at one. And so four hours later you're going to the gym. Honestly, you don't need much. Um, that's, that's when a little bit of caffeine would be an awesome thing to, to throw in there. And overall, when it comes to like two to three hours before, it's not that important. Balance out your energy intake with your meals. So I, I recommend anywhere from the 45 to 55% carbohydrate range, depending on your goals, obviously, um, 25% protein, 25% fat, keep it, just keep your energy intake consistent when it in balance, when it comes to your macronutrients, um, don't go all carbs, don't go all fats, don't go all, all protein. Um, if you have two, three meals before your gym, just keep them balanced. Like that will get you into a right headspace. It'll, it'll get you what, where you need to be for that later gym time. But in the morning, like I said, guys, keep it simple. So those are my opinions on nutrient timing and what, like, and when it comes to the, to the pre-workout thing. So in this study, it talks a lot about the post-workout and actually simulating MPS and some things that you need to know about it. So first let's dive into carbs. So carbs, carbohydrates, post-training session, carbohydrates in this study, it talks about if you were doing more than one a day, okay? So what this study dives into is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quote the study here. It says, it might be advisable to include carbohydrate intake at the end of the first training session to replenish glycogen stores and prepare for the second session of the day. So what they talked about was, if, if say you did strength training in the morning and then you went on a run later, later that day. So post-training session would be the... For after the first per, uh, resistance training, so you you hit the gym, lifted lifted, did your program, and after that, if if you're if you're thinking, hey, I'm gonna go for a run like six hours later, five hours later, it would be they recommend you to actually focus on a high carbohydrate intake after that post training session to give you enough stored glycogen to perform at the level that you want in the next training session. So for your run, um, and through through the trials and studies done it's, it's actually, there, there aren't a lot of studies on this and something that they, that it mentioned was carbs given to athletes who perceived moderate glycogen depletion. So moderate, glyco moderate glycogen depletion would be, they worked like average, like they had five to eight reps left in the tank on, on all their sets. Um, and they weren't like killing themselves, but they weren't like breezing through it. So it's, it's very middle ground. And the, all the studies that have been done for this showed that if they perceived moderate glycogen depletion in, mu in their muscles, little to no effect happened on their performance when it came to post-carbohydrate intake. And the overall summary for the, 
before having carbs after talks about to- like they honestly mentioned and literally say this total carb intake isn't that important or is more important than when you are taking them. And this is like, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears here because I think this is really important. This is the whole, you got to learn how to crawl before you walk. This you got to learn to walk before you run. Um, this is important to realize so many people search for the optimal thing. They like, Oh, I got to have to be perfect with my thing. I has to be balanced. It has to do this, or I'm not going to be able to lift weights. I'll tell you right now, if you're not consistently getting your hitting your macro targets, say you're trying to get 250 carbs a day. If you're getting 200 and 300 and 250 and then 200 and then 180 and then 150, you have, you don't have a timing problem. You have a intake problem. That is your issue. And this is what this little study talks about. It's, it's saying total daily carb intake is more important than actually when you are taking them. And that's, that's the overall through the research being done. That is the overall summary of carbohydrates for nutrient timing. So just so you know, little tidbits before having a little bit of carbs can help with releasing uh, your stored glycogen, help you with energy and uh, throughout the uh, resistance training session. But overall, nutrient timing isn't as important as total intake. So that's, that is carbohydrates, guys. And we're now we're going to dive into protein timing. So protein is obviously like probably the most eh, low carb. Yeah. I mean, I would say protein is getting to be more talked about than carbohydrates. Um, people who still think carbohydrates make you fat and not calorie, not being at a caloric surplus over time does. This is hopefully you're tuning into to my podcast because that's, that's not it. So sorry about that. I need a drink of water real quick. Yeah, I don't. I don't realize how like fast I get going. Sometimes I just really care about this stuff. <laughs> anyway, protein timing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually quote this study right here. So the first thing, reaching the conclusion that this intake is an effective strategy to increase the rate of muscle protein synthesis during nighttime sleep, can be applied to a tool to benefit the adaptive response of skeletal muscle to resistance exercise. So throughout this, throughout multiple studies, there's been a lot of studies done on this, is do you stimulate muscle protein synthesis when you intake protein anywhere from like, it's like 20, it's like 30 to 40 grams of protein. I think 40 was the exact number that that's been studied. But if you were to intake protein before bed, so within the hour to two hour range of going to bed, that it actually spikes muscle protein synthesis overnight to help with recovery for the next day. Um, there, more studies need to be done on this on because what they lacked was the total protein intake equals the protein right right before sleep. So in the study, they didn't compare. So say my average, I, I eat 200 uh, grams of protein a day. And what this is saying is they didn't compare to someone who eats 200 grams of protein throughout the day versus someone who eats 160 grams of protein throughout the day and then 40 right before bed. So they didn't compare the total intake versus like just looking at this. They actually only compared people like one group who was doing 40 grams of protein right before bed versus the other group who wasn't. And they weren't actually getting them to eat the exact same amount of protein 
a day. So that's the only thing that makes this study like not like finite. Obviously, nothing is is finite. It's all science. It's all discussed. But that's something to think about. Like whenever you read something like, oh, you have to drink, eat 40 grams of protein. But at the same time, studies and research show that if you actually break it up and eat just the total amount, just like carbohydrates, total is more important than right, like, like the timing of it. So there is some evidence out there that's saying, Hey, if you just intake 40 grams of protein right before bed, like within the hour to hour and a half gap, timing is actually something they don't really talk about this. I would just assume that in that time you are, you are wanting to digest the protein during sleep. So in that hour gap of bed, more studies need to be done on this though. It's, it's not like clear as day. They need to actually compare people doing the total of 200 grams a day versus the people who are doing 160 throughout the day and then adding 40 right before bed. They need to do that before you can say like, oh yeah, this is exactly what works. So therefore, based on the current evidence, pre-sleep protein intake could be recommended to those in situations in which recommended daily amount of protein is not reached. So I have a lot of clients actually who struggle to get a lot of protein in a day. They, we utilize a shake in the morning, shake at night. We can even do double scoops. We, we do a lot of stuff to help simulate, like to get our total in because they're, they're high achievers. They're working. They're not thinking about it all the time. So a shake in the morning and a shake at night, that helps them reach their goal. But if you're someone who maybe has a little bit more lean time, maybe you work from home, maybe you can make five, six meals a day that has 30 grams of protein in each, um, then that is a different circumstance. So we can't compare the apple to the orange. Like there's, everybody lives a different life. We have to realize that not, not all these studies are awesome, but we have to look at the individual versus the science, like the exact research behind it. Um, because if you tell somebody, hey, you have to eat 200 grams of protein a day and you can't like do it right before bed. They might struggle. They might really not be able to do that. They might really struggle with that. And especially if they never ate that much, they have to build, build their tolerance up. So their digestion system's not crazy. So they're not bloated. So there's a lot that goes, that goes into this, but that would be my overall analysis on this is ask yourself, do you have time to eat that much throughout the day? If not, maybe a protein shake right before bed would be incredibly helpful, especially if you're trying to lean out, especially if you're trying to gain lean mass, especially if you're, especially if you're trying to bulk. You need more calories. If you want to change, you have to put stress on your body, stress in the gym and stress on your overall metabolism to produce what you want. So something as well that they talked about is MPS stimulation. So this is actually a weird a cool thing that they talked about. It's, it's, it's called the muscle full effect and it's high presences of amino acids and plasma stimulates up for a short period of time. So after protein intake, there's a period of 45 to 90 minutes before muscle protein synthesis rises a maximum of 90 to 120 minutes. So hour and a half, two hours, and then returns to baseline values. So what does this mean? It, it's honestly saying that Two to three hours between protein intake is necessary to enable muscle protein synthesis re-stimulation. So what this is saying is like you probably heard, oh, if you eat 100 grams of protein in one sitting, uh, it turns to fat. No, that's not what happens. But it can, you can over, like if you ate 100 grams of protein in one sitting, you're going to be bloated. You're going to struggle to digest that properly. Um, it can cause you brain fog. It can cause you to be lethargic. No, not, not an optimal thing for a high achiever or someone who's trying to get 
trying to do a lot each day. So what does that mean? It means that you every if you can eat that so the actual technical so the muscle protein synthesis simulation equation is if you take 0.4 or through 0.55 times your body weight in grams, that's the gap that you need to eat protein every 2 to 3 hours. So for mine, I am 70 kilograms. So 70 kilograms times 0.55 is right around, I think, 38 to 39 grams of protein. 0.4 is right around 26. I'm trying to do that in my head. I don't know if that's right. But so what that's trying to say is the window that you want to like for optimized muscle protein synthesis re-stimulation would be me eating every meal 26 to 38 or 39 grams of protein in that meal every two to three hours. So this is this is when it gets it gets very very touchy on exact, but this is something that like everyone should know. Like you should have protein on your plate. I know a lot of people talk about portion control, um, having a certain amount of protein on your plate through using your palms. That's an awesome way of doing it. But the most optimal way of doing it is actually measuring it out, finding out how much calories are actually in the protein that you're eating, or how many grams that you're actually eating, tracking it in my fitness pal and seeing it over time. So you get more intuitive on what's four ounces of chicken, what's three ounces of steak, what's what does um what oh, I'm trying to think, what is ten ounces of salmon look like? Like you get more intuitive about how much you're eating. So the end goal obviously isn't to track your whole life. It's to get more intuitive about it. So you can kind of understand over time what that twenty six to thirty nine grams of protein looks like. And as you get good with tracking, as you get good with the intuitiveness of that, you get it, it becomes so simple for you. You just make it a habit and you just know like, hey, I need a certain amount of protein in this just to one, maintain my muscle mass or two, if I'm trying to get stronger, I need to take advantage of my protein intake so I can re-stimulate muscle protein synthesis and keep things rolling. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to dive into is so in this study, it talks about um, a subject ingested 25 grams of whey protein after training. The response of, of muscle protein synthesis was greater at three to five hours than at one to three hours post-ingestion. A stimulation that was not replicated in the group did not perform strength training, but did ingest the same amount of protein. This indicates that at least post-exercise, the muscle full effect theory has limitations. So guys, the muscle full effect does isn't like it isn't isn't a commandment it's not exact like we're still learning about this but through all the research and studies the most like my summary on all of this and all of this on nutrient timing is your total daily intake is really what matters over time not day by day obviously you're going to have days where you're stressed you maybe anxiety is a little higher you're not as hungry but if you can get really good at missing little and think of it like this. Think of a, I was actually talking to my massage therapist about this the other day, um, talking about highs and lows. Through finding balance, through finding balance and just in general with anxiety, with depressive thoughts, with with everything that we do in life, we have to be get good at creating a smaller gap between our highs and lows. If we can create a smaller gap between our highs and lows, we start to miss less. And whenever we're actually at a high, we don't feel like, oh my gosh, this is not right. Something bad's going to happen soon because I shouldn't be feeling this high. It's just take that same effect on your relationship with food, with 
your habits, with all of the stuff that you're trying to do to better yourself. There is not that it like in in reality, it's not that important about nutrient timing. What matters is your long your relationship with food, your habits around food, and total daily energy intake and total protein a day. If you can get good at that for six to nine months, your life will be so much easier. <laughs> it takes the stress off of things. It allows you to understand nutri- nutrition a little bit better. You create better habits around it. And over time, you beca- you start to become way more intuitive about it. You probably heard of intuitive eating, but before you learn how to walk or walk, you got to learn how to crawl. Put in the work. All my clients do it. I make all my clients track their food because they have, and especially if they've never done it before, they have to learn. They have to dive into it and they have to understand what's in what and what, why you're taking this at this time and what you should do after a training session. And to do that, you need to get nitty gritty with the numbers. Thanks guys for listening. Hopefully you, you've enjoyed this. Uh, this was awesome for me to do. Honestly, it keeps my education up and it allows me to hold myself accountable on what I know in sports nutrition. And yeah, so if you guys found this helpful, send it to a friend, send it to someone who you think would really appreciate it. Um, and take notes and guys, like I said, in the show notes, I have the link to the study. Everything I talked about besides the first part, because that was more opinionated and through experience and all that fun stuff, but dive into it, learn for yourself, dive into this stuff. And if you ever have any questions, please reach out. I have my coaching application and what guys, if you ever fill out my coaching application, just know it's not like, Hey, I'm going to make you be my client. It's Hey, let's talk. Cause I don't know if I can help you. I don't know if I'm the right coach for you. I don't know if we click. So just know that if, when you, if you fill that out, it, it, the next step is us setting up a call to see if we're a good fit. And on that call, if I think we're not a good fit, I give you resources for free. I give you advice and I send you on a way on your way better off than when you came to me. Um, and if we are a good fit, then I w- we can get things rolling. But yeah, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this. I'm going to actually do a couple series on this and dive into the studies more um, and clear things up for you. So if you, uh, if you guys really, really enjoyed this, please, please leave a rating. It means the most to me. It allows me to grow, allows me to invite more exciting guests on and knowledgeable guests. And I have some awesome things coming up for this podcast. So until then, stay moving. I'm out.